Broadcasting from a remote corner of the front office of Grave Diggers Local 16, it's Six Foot Plus, the podcast of music and more for those who like it spooky. Thank you for downloading this spotlight on creepy music and movie musings that goes by the name Six Foot Plus. New episodes can be found Fridays over at sixfootplus.com, on iTunes, and wherever else you can find a podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help support this show. If you want an extra reminder, sign up for the Six Foot Plus Dispatch, a weekly email that lets you know when a new episode goes up. We shoot a message right to your inbox and to your brain. If you want to connect online, hit me up on social media, facebook.com slash six foot plus, at six foot plus podcast on Instagram, and at six foot plus on Twitter. That's the number six, F-T-P-L-U-S. If you want to do the old fashioned way and email me, it's contact at sixfootplus.com. That's a thunderstorm going on behind me, and who am I, why I'm strange, though that depends on who you're talking to. To some, I'm actually quite plain, nondescript, kind of normal. To others, 
I'm not to be invited back to any future dinner parties, especially after I said those type of things. But to you, dear listener, I'm Strange Jason, and whether or not I live up to that moniker is your decision. I remain the same either way. We've got a lot on this episode. Not only do we sit down with Heather Buckley for another edition of Obscurities, not only do we have Monster Matt Patterson pop on up for another Monster Matt Minute, but we have the debut of a new feature, Craig Chaos's Killer Cuts. Say that three times fast. <laughs> Who needs 4G when you've got 4K? Craig Chaos is a fan who's dug through the depths of the crypt of chaos to find a song taken straight from vinyl for all of you to hear. But we'll get more into that later on the show. So dear listener, what do you call a ghost when it's tired? E-gasted. 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 <laughs> oh, uh, I'm no Monster Matt Patterson, that's for sure. Though E-gasted, that makes me sound like I'm from Boston. And I'm not. Nor am I from Philadelphia, the birthplace of the United States of America. Happy birthday, America! It's the 4th of July. And it's also the same week that saw Canada Day on the 1st. And since music about how one country is better than another is pretty much crap, instead, let's have an episode full of bands from Canada. Like the Von Drats, who opened up this show. This is an episode of Horror Without Borders, or at least the border between our neighbor to the north. It used to be easy to cross the Canadian border. I used to do it with just my driver's license and a smile. Now you kind of need a passport and a thorough body cavity search. It's not fun. And Canada, your border patrol, they're jerks. <laughs> they're a jerks. It's like you've gotten, you know the stereotype that all Canadians are really polite and they happen to apologize for everything, which is not true. Well, it's like they got all the jerks to work the border. But good on you, Canada. Not all music on this episode will be from Canada, but enough of it is since a lot of great music does come from the country up north. So to kick things off, let's have a block of Psychobilly from Quebec. The Gutter Demons will be traveling down I-87 this month to perform in New York City at the Rock and Roll Luau, along with the Matadors and Bloodshot Bill. But for now, this is Children of the Damned by the Gutter Demons.
Steve Niles, and you're listening to Six Foot Plus. of devils and the hold of every foul spirit for the wages of sin is death the battle comes we will be ready yea though we walk through the valley we will fear no evil evil will fear us the stage is set and the audience is screaming <coughs> in hell's Palooza, the best damn rock show ever a full-length novel, weaving around and through a seven-story anthology, all about a rock festival in southern Missouri that truly raises hell. Available on Amazon.com. Look for Hell's Palooza on Facebook and Twitter. Him. 
Brains with more brains. An attack of the monster crab by the Mau Maus. Ah, if you listen, you might notice that we've got some different background music this time around. Yeah, since we're in the second half of the year, it's time to switch things up a bit. At the start of 2014, we ran a poll asking what you wanted to hear with your episodes of Six Foot Plus. Out of the options, the ghastly ones came in first, with this band, Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet, coming in second. I think it's fitting. This is an episode celebrating Canada as well as America, and it's the debut of the music from one of Canada's greatest bands. And on a day where we celebrated Canada, we also celebrated Nashville, Tennessee, specifically its most insanest son, Dr. Gangrene. Yes, July 1st, 2014 marked the 15th anniversary of Dr. Gangrene. And shortly before that, he posted his 1000th blog over at chillercinema.com. 15 years, a thousand blog posts. That is amazing. Dr. Gangrene, aka Larry Underwood, for those of you who don't know, is both an exemplary steward of the horror host tradition as well as a fine champion for monster kind everywhere. I wouldn't toss around the term role model since it's a bit cliche and doesn't really hold up, but the man is a great example of what a horror fan could be. And we are lucky to have had Dr. Gangrene for the last 15 years. And I'd be saying that even if he wasn't a part of the Six Foot Plus family. The man has been a great ambassador for all things creepy, spooky, for film, for television, for the environment. And he's still hitting his stride. He just started up his new series that was documenting all the films of Vincent Price. I think episode three just hit the web. It's amazing, and I personally am grateful for Dr. Gangrene. So here's to you, Doc, to the past 15 years and for all the years forthcoming. In addition to being a scholar, a columnist, an article writer, an entertainer, a host, and overall an upstanding great guy, Dr. Gangrene is also a rock star. Yep, we played his band Spook Hand on this program in the past, and we'll do it again. Here now, I Drink Blood. I hope you will like it.
Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why?
That was the band Creeperson. And Creep Creeperson, much like Dr. Gangrene, is a multimedia persona. Creeperson, the guy, has released the book series Black Star Canyon, where the chapters, I think, are treated like episodes in a television show. It's really interesting. It's a novel way, pun intended, to approach writing and commerce in a world where every other day there's some Cassandra proclaiming the death of the publishing industry. Head on over to creepersin.com to get all the information and to make your purchases. Along with all the Creepersin books on your Kindle or e-reader, you can also get those forbidden tomes of arcane knowledge that produce the screaming, creeping, relentless doom that we all have come to know as the Monster Mat Minute. Good morning, maniacs. <laughs> yes, that's right. It is I, your fiend, yours truly, Monster Matt Patterson, the man of a thousand bad monster jokes hailing all the way from Pennsylvania. Hey, oh, and well, uh oh, yeah. Igor. Screws out for summer. Screws <laughs> out forever. <laughs> I'm looking at the world through real colored glasses. <laughs> master, master, scoot up! Igor, you fiend. I'm trying to record again. And, uh, did they let you escape? I don't understand. How, how are you out of school? You should have been there for many a decade. I... Highly doubt you passed. No, no, master. <laughs> it's it's all good. It's the summer vacation, <laughs> and uh, I'm around, <laughs> and it's so wonderful. <laughs> and no more pencils, no more books, no more candy men's grungy hooks. <laughs> if a banshee shrieks and yells, watch Three's Company reruns with Norman Fell. <laughs> oh, master, it's so wonderful to be free. Or <laughs> you dope. Uh, well, here, what? Uh, you know what? You take the wheel. Uh, you seem to be in a talkative mood, you freak. Uh, just mind your P's and Q's and get on with it. Yes, right. <laughs> Igor shall take the wheel, yeah. <laughs> what daytime show do spirits like? <laughs> Rachel Ray. <laughs> Igor score. <laughs> what reality show do monsters like? <laughs> Rawr, rescue! <laughs> Igor is wonderful, yes! <laughs> Igor is wonderful! <laughs> and, uh, well, I will wrap this up uh, very quickly here. Uh, this one's for my friend, Debbie Roshan. She is the ghost of honor! <laughs> Debbie Roshan came to town to star in a horror movie. She sat down with me for lunch break and showed me her too. <laughs> Igor! Igor! Uh, please tell me this doesn't end how I think it will. Uh, what, uh, what are you talking about? Here, I'll do it again. Debbie Roshan came to town to star in a horror movie. Sat down with me for lunch break and she'll be her too. Igor! Igor! You can't! You can't! You can't! You can't! You, Igor! 
Uh, there's no way, no possible way, that uh, you can finish that, Igor. That, 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 no, 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 Igor, Igor, Igor. Uh, it's, there's no way, Igor. I can't trust you, Igor. Oh, Igor, if I ask you how this ends, will I be shamed of you and will Debbie clonk us both in no, the head? Man, it ends like this. She showed me her two smoothies! Uh, uh, wait... What, Igor? Uh, wait, whoa, 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 what? She shared three... her two smoothies! And she, she bought two smoothies! She was thirsty, they were tiny, and she, well, she shared one with me! What? I don't understand, what did you think I meant? Igor, who... who gets two smoothies? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard! Two smoothies. Well, uh, no... Master, master, let me draw you a map. It is like this. It was hot. We were filming. Debbie Roshan was here in town, and she had two smoothies. We were both thirsty. She shared one with me. See? Two smoothies. I don't know what you were thinking about, master. <laughs> Oh, wait. No, I get it all, Master. You're in trouble. <laughs> You'll get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Igor's going to kick your ass. Then Debbie Roshan will, too. <laughs> oh, God darn it, Igor. Ugh, you got me in a pickle. Well, I'll have to take my lumps, I guess. Oh, Maniac Systems is going to end well. And Debbie, I apologize for Igor's, uh, well... My, uh, mistake. Oh, my God. Anyways, maniacs, until next time, Ouija Board Witches and Cadaver Dreams. Bye-bye. This has been the Monster Matt Minute with Monster Matt Patterson. Congratulations. You survived. For more from the man of a thousand bad monster jokes, follow Monster Matt on Twitter at number one Monster Matt. That's the number one Monster Matt. Keep track of Monster Matt's convention appearances, his artwork, and info on his new book, Ha Ha Horror, over at his website, Ha Ha Horror, found online at hahahorror.com.
the Planet Smashers. Not really spooky, but I like them anyways. And they're Canadian, so it's all good. But if we do want something a little bit more creepy... This is Craig Chaos's Killer Cuts. Who is Craig Chaos? He's both a vinyl enthusiast and a fan of the show. And he's offered to dig into the crypt of chaos to find a selection to share with you every month or so. If any of you vinyl enthusiasts want to talk shop with the man, you'll have to bravely write him at kchaos38 at gmail.com. That's chaos with a K. K-K-H-A. AOUS38 at gmail.com. We'll include that address in the show notes and over at sixfootplus.com. For this inaugural edition of Killer Cuts, it involves 13 ghosts. Started in 1994, the band would have two vinyl releases, and Craig was nice to send over a recording taken from one of them. Hopefully, you got over your Triskai decophobia, because here now, 13 ghosts.
just ordinary people who don't have any supernatural powers and don't want any. Let me ask you, friend, what's the difference between you and a corpse? Style. And let me tell you, the dead have a leg up on you because they've been using the power of voodoo. That's right. They've been going to VoodooSugar.com. Over there, they've got pins, bags, teas, stuff for the kids, stuff for the crypt. Why? They're the coolest stiffs around. Are you going to let that cadaver make a kook out of you? Well, fear not. Voodoo Sugar is for the living, too. VoodooSugar.com. Cool swag for the living and living dead. recognize that song, you're a fan of 90s sketch comedy and great instrumental music. That was Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet with Having an Average Weekend, which doubled as the theme to the kids in the hall. The Shadowy Men's music would appear throughout the shows, so if you're a fan of the kids in the hall, you're a fan of the Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Did you even know that? Surprise! And wouldn't you know it, it's time for Heather Buckley's Obscurities. Now, before we start, let me apologize in advance. 
The sound on this installment is kind of screwed up. The mic I used decided to malfunction during these sessions, meaning that my side of the audio is pretty much garbage, staticky, eh, the levels are all over the place. Eh. I did what I could to clean it up, but there's only so much polish one can apply. Thankfully, this is Heather's corner, so she talks more than I do, but I figured I'd apologize for the awkwardness. You're going to notice the differences between the two speakers. Next month, hopefully it'll be a little bit better. It's still a great conversation about the movie Waxworks 2, and instead of me telling you about it, why don't we listen to it? Here now, Heather Buckley's Oddscurity. Welcome again to Heather Buckley's Odd Securities. Normally, I pack up my bags and head on out to Buckley Manor and located in the heart of scenic central, well, no, well, northern New Jersey, right? We're in northern New Jersey, yes. Yes. But this time around, <laughs> Buckley Manor has come to me. Well, no, we're in the corner here of the front office with the one and only Heather Buckley. Hello. I like your office very much. There's some taxidermy. There are a lot of dead things on the walls where we are right now i i can say that with confidence uh they were dead when i found them legal legal reasons yes <laughs> yes heather is a journalist a writer and a filmmaker her writing has been featured in fangoria and dread central and she has worked on the films circus of the dead dead still and we are still here and in Heather Buckley's Obscurities, we put the spotlight on often overlooked, semi-forgotten horror films that deserve a second chance. And so, who are we talking about this time? Well, um, last time we talked about uh, we talked about uh, Anthony Hickok's uh, Waxwork. Yes. I rented at a, as a as a young girl. It played on uh, HBO a lot, mm -hmm. which was always a staple. And you yourself remembered the VHS cover. Yep, and the art. With the melting faces and the little guy on, guy on the front, which is, of course, very hideous. It scared me. I, I can admit to this. I'm mad enough to say that artwork. Was it the scariest VHS you remember as a little Jason? It's the one that's left the most impression. It was that and I think the Critters 2. But... Why Critters 2? Uh, just the big ball of mouths. Yes. Yeah, but I remember distinctively the waxwork cover. Just the all the different types of creatures that were just right there it it left some kind of impression so i remember that but i had no idea there was a sequel there is uh there is a sequel to it and uh again if you buy the dvd i believe if they're still doing the the double features which mm -hmm. i have waxworks one and two you can get together now when you watch the end of the film and of course no spoilers here on heather buckley's obscurity no spoilers is that um there's an artifact left at the end of the film okay and our poor heroine played by a different actress this time of course gets framed for the murder of her father oh and she has to get an item back to clear her name oh a mystical item back to clear her name <laughs> because no one's gonna believe her stories of monsters and waxworks come to life now did her father die in the first film or is this something that happened in between 
It's something that happened in between. Oh, uh, okay. So she so she has to figure out a way how to jump through jump through time. So not only now are we combining the idea of sort of waxworks and artifacts, mm-hmm. we're now going to porthole jump through different parts in time. So instead of viewing viewing uh, our monsters through waxwork, mm-hmm. we're going to view our different horror tableaus through portholes. Okay. And so now we're combining Alice in Wonderland and the idea of the looking glass, mm-hmm. because that's how the, the film starts with a title card from Alice in Wonderland, and monsters again. So as we sort of discussed before, how Anthony Hickok, with his very low budget, mm-hmm. but being incredibly imaginative, and his hybridization of genre is combining Alice in Wonderland, but not really specifically. Of course. And, and monsters, and portal jumping, trying to solve uh, the, the, the problem of, uh, of Sarah, mm-hmm. our main character, trying to um trying to to clear up in her in her world in her in her dimension trying to clear up this this murder charge which seems very mundane in the eyes of killer waxworks yeah now the the, in this film there's homages to frankenstein alien jack the ripper dawn of the dead okay and again this film came out in 1992 so this is like Still fresh. Still fresh. We're still making authentic references. Yeah. So if you're like a little horror fan and like you love Dawn of the Dead so much mm-hmm. and they're and they've jumped both uh, Mark and Sarah, the two f- characters from the main film, if you've jumped into a Dawn of the Dead sequence in a 1992 film, <laughs> you're going to lose your mind if you see that. I, I, so, so the zombies have that parlor. Mm-hmm. You're in sort of that mall setting. Yep. So you know certainly that you're, in, that you're in Dawn of the Dead. Trying to, of course, get that art... Trying to figure out how to get that artifact that you lost uh, a while back. Now your bad guy in the film is kind of your, your sword and sorcery guy... When you've jumped into uh, jumped into his world, he's kind of a kind of a, ta- a time lord, and he's gonna have none of this. Of course. Yeah. So this film is kind of a little bit like Army of Darkness a bit. So you're having people <laughs> jump through a portal in time yeah. to try to clear up your present, mm-hmm. and you just and you have like a, a bad guy coming after you. But here he's not a deadite. Here he's sort of a, a, a time lord that just wants to wants to get this stuff over. So it's sort of a, a battle of, of good and evil. And to figure out if if uh, Mark and Sarah are are going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, even when you when they when they when they sort of porthole jump into a spaceship, yeah, which is ob- obviously the Nostromo, yeah, and the alien looks a lot like you know Giger's alien. Rest in peace. Which is yes, great to talk on the day that uh, to, to, as a great homage to uh, our, our Giger, mm-hmm. who unfortunately has passed on to the great biomechanical slimy sex, uh, sex hut in the sky. <laughs> I hope he's happy. In... Someone, someone on Facebook posted, what does Giger's heaven look like? Oh, God. I don't, I, that's not something I really want to consider. I mean... I think he drew his heaven over and over again. Hopefully it's not the, uh, the inside of the dead Kennedys... Uh... The what was that? The the plastic surgery disasters yeah. thing that got the whole band in trouble. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Let's. Hopefully, it's a much 
hopefully it's more akin to uh, to the xenomorphs than all, than that. Yes, I was very curious when people were writing about that since the Dune documentary was around, mm -hmm. and they're going like, "Oh, Ridley Scott, you know, said like it had to be the alien," and I was gonna go. Ken O'Bannon brought Giger to the table, yeah. not Ridley Scott. I mean, this has been documented. So. It, has been, it, has been, it has been documented. But yes, so, so a Giger-esque alien makes his peeks over and is in, and is in uh, Waxworks 2 uh, Lost in Time. So it's another, <laughs> it's another monster party movie that's just, that's just spectacular and wonderful. A little Godzilla, and then and even more topical Godzilla. There's a Godzilla scene. There's a Godzilla scene. Oh man! So this this <laughs> kind of covers all the monsters that really weren't, couldn't really be addressed in the framing of the first movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like when you're having these like wax um, arrangements, it's more of an intimacy because, like you've mentioned, like there's the zombies and the werewolf and the vampire. It's more of like a one-on-one. -on -one kind of close quarters whereas here you have the aliens you have the godzilla you have the mall situation with the zombies that's more of a it seems like this movie had the chance to kind of widen up the world in a physical sense it's a it's a it's a little bigger and what's also nice about it is that i think one of my favorite sequences of course they have a black and white sequence in it too mm -hmm. is so they they play off the haunting oh really they they yes yeah, so they they go on they go into a house mm -hmm. Which has which has ghosts in it, and of course, who plays a little cameo in this film? But Bruce Campbell. What? So he he plays one of the paranormal activity sort of guys who's leading the uh, the, the the characters through them as they as they jump through time. And then there's of course some Bruce abuse in the film. Oh, well, yes. Which which fans of of the Evil Dead franchise will totally enjoy. Now, yeah, because you said this was a uh, ninety-two. This was uh, 1992, yes. So the first, I mean, the first two Evil Dead movies were out. I don't think Army of Darkness was out. By Army of Darkness, I don't believe, was out yet. I think um, it was more like 94, perhaps. Oh, hey, just chiming in, a bit of a correction. Army of Darkness, 1992. I thought it was a bit later. I thought it was older when it came out, but eh, time flies. Oh, also, once again, sorry about the audio quality. Eh, okay, back to the conversation. Yeah, so, and just think about the time span between sequels, because the first sequel was in 88, and now in 1992, yeah. now we have Waxworks 2 Lost in Time. So we're curious about, since a lot of people, you know, Waxworks was kind of a horror movie made for horror fans, yeah. because remember back in the day, it wasn't horror fans saw horror movies. Yeah. It's not like nowadays that everybody's a horror fan. Mm -hmm. Your mom is watching Walking Dead with you, yeah. and... True Blood. It's like these movies were made for horror fans. So mm -hmm. I don't know who calls for the Waxworks 2 Lost in Time sequel, but this sequel is bigger and just just as fun to watch than 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 the first one. And Zach Galligan also though is is one of the cast members mm -hmm. that reprises his role. He was in the he was in the first one mm -hmm. as Mark, and he's in the second one rep reprising the role as as the leading as a leading man, you know, trying to help Sarah out on 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 her mission to gather her artifact to clear her name. Now, 
Now, what would you say the tone of these movies are? Because as if, as we talk about it, we kind of give the impression that this is sort of like a loving, you know, gift from a horror fan to other horror fans. They're listed. They're they're both listed as comedy horror, but they're not necessarily comedy horror. Like one of my favorite comedy horror films are incredibly lame and difficult to watch is like Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Yeah. Like there's yeah. films like that and films like Transylvania Twist, but they all all work within that same canon mm-hmm. of being what I call sort of like monster party films yeah, it's like yeah. there's 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 an ensemble cast of monsters yeah you get a, everything you get you get everything and and it's and it's a really great fun, fun time so when you go back to things like mad monster party yeah, there's yeah. a loving feeling for it the problem is it's like the films are not necessarily for kids so it's like it's a little bit too violent for kids to really watch them mm-hmm. and they're not really so funny and sophisticated like things like Shaun of the Dead yeah, or yeah. a film that I saw at South by Southwest which is absolutely brilliant what what we uh, do in the shadows okay, which is okay. a New Zealand vampire film which is I would even go out on a limb to say it's even funnier than Shaun of the Dead it's brilliant that's bold, bold claims right there, right there. I, I wrote it up for a friend and I said it is a bold, bold claim to, to make yeah. Yeah. one of the guys from Flight of the Concords is in it and it's about a uh, bunch of vampires that live, live in a flat in New Zealand. One of them's an Osferatu vampire. One of them's kind of like a Lost Boys, flat tepish looking vampire. One of them's very, very, very sort of like romantic, like out of an Anne Rice novel. One of them's contemporary. It's sort of like how they all, all work together. But it's like those films are sort of hinged on jokes. Yeah. As is Shaun of the Dead. You know, kind of like... It's, it's more like humor that like the humor comes first definitely and you're and you're writing jokes into your story because i was just thinking like if we even go back further it's yeah it's sort of like the feelings of young frankenstein yeah yeah comedy horror comedy comes first and then when you go back even further it's sort of the granddad dad of it all is like i was abby costello meets frankenstein yeah yeah but there's a light-hearted feeling and horror never gets in the way mm-hmm. these become even more murky because they're moving away from comedy towards horror and they're kind of in this strange awkward position which to me makes them even more endearing because you're because it's like because they're amusing and fun to watch growing up i used to i used to read habitually cracked monster party magazine and i've always been a a huge fan of that mort todd was the editor i remember seeing it once at comic-con attacking was like oh my god i love crack monster party and monster invasion and he was with someone who like worked with him on monster invasion he goes he she loves your work and it's like he um he used to work in crack regularly as an artist and that was sort of his 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 editorial challenge and so again it's kind of like your humor it's like you're kind of tongue-in-cheek but you have monsters and there's a little bit of violence just like in the first one it's like yeah, it's yeah. like your comedy horror but you're referencing Marquis de Sade it's like where is your what are you doing <laughs> it, it's sort of that's where are really... your choices <laughs> where are your choices <laughs> it's a, it sounds like it's a weird balancing act but from what you say they pull it off it's not so much like a, a, a comedy movie with with horror as sort of like you know the covering or like a horror movie with just a few jokes here and there it's more of the equal balance of one or the other but we but we as horror fans are awkward like the subject like the subject matter because yeah. we of course have are a, a, a lot of times have an absurd sense of humor seeing oh, yes. monsters and like creatures makes us smile and laugh i mean for all, all those the, mm-hmm. those of us who will uh 
who will run out to see, um, I mean, we're taping this when uh, Godzilla is going to be out in the theater. Yeah. It's like just to see him smash things and to be like an awesome monster. It's like that brings us great happiness to see that. Mm-hmm. Or when I watch, like, as we talked about man before, when I see little ghoulies or spookies or munchies or critters, yep. it's like there, there's a great joy that that brings us in, in, our, in our heart. So by putting a lot of monsters, without referencing all the things that I, lo- I love, that, that brings us one level of joy. Mm-hmm. By doing it in a way that the director knows his fan base and is a part of that fan base is in, in, in the joke, is another layer which I think makes these films work very very well mm-hmm. because he's because he's in on he's in on the joke with us he's he's one of us he's not too good to reference us and that doesn't mean that I don't like the met the meta films because I really do love behind the mask a lot and I yeah. did like and I did like uh, Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. regardless of how bro Cabin in the Woods was I did have fun because if you show me enough monsters I'll watch your damn film yeah and there's enough monsters in there to keep my attention. Well, this was made at a time where, as you said, it was more of a fringe element. And he was making this film for the smaller audience of yes. the early 90s horror. I mean, there, you had the big burst of the 80s slasher film, but by the time the 90s rolled around, it was already... I mean, it was already on the decline. I mean, sequel itis was starting to kick in, and the mainstream, I think, was kind of getting sick of it. But still, the... Mon- I mean, it sounds here that it was more monster-based than it was slasher-based. Very monster-based, and there's also, as you bring up the slasher film, slasher had a lot of tits and sex in it. Yeah. These films had no tits and sex in it. So this was mainly straight. This was mainly the monsters that were on display. Exactly. So you're ma- so you're making a film that I wouldn't wor- use the word adolescence. Yeah. But it's but it's it's. Uh, th- it's a very safe horror film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put it on, like, the kids can kind of watch it, but not really watch it because the content is, is weird. I mean, Waxworks 2 could is more of a film for, for any age. Yeah. As opposed to the, sexual, uh, the, 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 the sexual content of the first one with the Marquis de Sade. But it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, it's like in a weird kind yeah. of stage. It's like, who watches it? Who is it made for? It's like, you don't have any gritty, dark content in it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the, the slasher films were kind of uh, negative uh, in a way. I think uh, it was Steve Bissett that said, um, watching slasher films sort of punish you for paying attention because like all the pretty girls or like hot guys that you see, it's like, they're going to die. So even yeah. if you like them or want to pay attention to them, they're going to slash, they're going to they're, they're gonna have a horrible uh, d- d- demise. They're going to do sex. They're going to have dr- d- drugs and all the, these things. And it's like, gone, slashed. Yeah, you it, can't and, really have any kind of attachment to any of the characters because if they're just fodder. Yeah, so it's a much so it's a much darker uh, point of view that slasher films have, have taken. And I always felt that the most effective slasher film for me was always um, uh, Black Christmas. Oh yeah, which was which to me is remains the scariest one to this day. It was the first too, right? Uh huh. Definitely, definitely the 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 first. I mean, you could say that and the town that dreaded sundown, but really, to me, it's like it it, it felt. The the, uh, the tenor was there, mm-hmm. the heightened scary tenor. Because even though, though I saw the town that said a drum, the town that, that dreaded sundown, an anthology film archive uh, like projected, mm-hmm. so I saw it appropriately, like where you want to see a horror film yeah. in the dark, big screen. It just doesn't have the scares that was there. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Black Christmas has a has a tension. Yeah. That you were trying to that you were trying to create. So yeah, no, that feels to me like the first one. There's a great book on a lot of the slasher films called Blood Money. I own it, but I haven't read it yet. But it goes through sort of like the marketing cycles, how those films came to be. But yeah, there is a depressing gritty element. They're, they're not there in, in, in any of the Waxworks movies. Yeah, in any of the Waxworks movies, and a, and a few other sort of like the way that Anthony Hickok kind of kind of worked. I mean, as we were discussing before, you know, he comes. He sort of comes from a Hollywood family. Sometimes he's a journeyman, and sometimes he's not in the things that he, he did. Yeah. I remember um, the only one of his films that I actually saw in the theater, as we were talking about seeing things in the theater, was he's also directed, which a lot of people of my uh, my generation, since I'm in, the, in my late 30s, was uh, Hellraiser 3. Oh, yes. We which talked was, about that. Which was not a very good sequel, but who could you say is any of the good sequels to Hellraiser except for like one and two? Yeah, it seems that after two, it's all pretty much up in the air. And he didn't write. He didn't write it. Um, yeah, <sighs> as you said, it was more work for hire. But it sounds like these two movies that uh, Waxwork and its sequel were more of a loving, involved venture, something that he kind of put his heart and soul into. Would you say? I would. I would. I would say it speaks to his quirky love of monsters and his just sort of loose way of storytelling because I think a lot of people, you know, get caught up in plot, but this is a way of, of having, like, sort of a simple storyline but allowing, like, like the allowing a place for like monster tableaus to happen one after the other so it's like loose and carefree and just it's a, it's a wonderful to watch on in the background you know just get a glimpse of monsters or just to sit down and to have and to have, and to have fun with and they're not necessarily scary yeah but it's more it's not so much about the fear it's more about the celebration celebration yes def- de- de- definitely so waxworks too can is more or less found in a uh, two-movie pack, so it's widely available, probably on streaming sites, but the listener can go find that for themselves. But they should go find it, both Waxworks and Waxworks do. Alice? Who the hell is Alice? Through the looking glass is the second Alice in Wonderland book, the one where she travels to another world through a mirror. A mirror?
Ashlyn Yenny from the Human Centipede Films, and you are listening to Six Foot Plus. I like a lot, Forbidden Dimension and the Creepazoids. The latter will be releasing their full-length vinyl album today, July 4th. And the Creepazoids will also be performing this weekend at the Heavy Rebel Weekender. Plus, they'll also be making the trip up to the Rock and Roll Luau. That little event I mentioned before with the Gutter Demons, Bloodshot Bill, and the Matadors. The Creepazoids aren't from Canada, no, they're from Richmond. But this next band is Canadian, it's Black Cat Attack. Demon from a knife! 
like to tell a little story about a girl from far away. You might feel bad, you might feel sorry about what happened. So they say, well, once upon a time I was a sweetheart, a pretty girl flipped the red. was The Creep Show, and this is the end of this show, or at least the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Canadian, American, or none of the above, I'm glad you tuned in. And I consider you a friend and a compatriot, dear listener. It doesn't really matter which flag you fly, so long as that flag is freaky. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, remember to read Gravediggers Local 16, found online at gravediggerslocal.com, and feel free to talk with me on Twitter, at 6footplus, number 6, F-T-P-L-U-S. We'll end this show with a chainsaw lobotomy, which is the name of this band, and this song is Death Day. Celebrate life and death as they are connected. So happy birthday, USA and Canada. You both are going to die someday. So until next time, dear listener, remember those rockets' red glare, but cool it with the boom-booms of a day, okay? Fireworks.
Six Foot Plus, episode 112, Horror Without Borders. This has been Six Foot Plus, a GDL 16 production. To support, subscribe, rate, review, and recommend Six Foot Plus. The theme song, Carpe Noctum, performed by the Madeira. Shivala, Yvonne. Urban Graveyard Lounge music, performed by Kava Khan. Mahalo. Monster Matt Patterson of the Monster Matt Minute can be found online at hahahorror.com. Heather Buckley appeared courtesy of Liberty and Prosperity, as well as Blood and Guts. To find out about all the music you heard on this episode, as well as all past episodes and all those important links, go to Six Foot Plus. That's the number six, F-T-P-L-U-S dot com.